on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I do want to point out that the correlation between this guy you talked about and myself, you said some things happened that kind of forced him to have to be in business. Same thing happened to me. I, I would have never taken that step had I not been forced to do it because I would have never thought I could. Yeah. That's the thing. It's kind of like you get your back against the wall and you don't have a choice and you find out that you can accomplish things way yeah. greater than you ever imagined you could. That's right. And if somehow we could be convinced of that, if we could right. learn that without having to be stuck in that position and just make the choice, I think a lot of people do do that, but that's, that's part of the deal. I mean, you got, you got to go and stretch yourself in a way that you wouldn't normally do. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Alan Branson on the King stage. Alan my bearded brother. How you doing? I'm doing great this morning, Chad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad that we're having the conversation. And I was just thinking, you know, I always, I always make comments, obviously on beards, but you know, it's because everybody comments on my beard. Do they comment on your beard? Like the comment on my beard? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it just, when you have one, I guess you recognize it in, in everybody else. So, you know, hopefully as mine turns colors that it looks as good as yours. That's what I'm I just for. have the too old and lazy to shave beard. You've got that nice texture <laughs> beard there. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Alan, what kind of business do you have? Well, I've, I've got a water treatment company. Aquasphere is a company that services residential and commercial customers all over Central Texas. I love it. I love and it. And what we do is we provide diagnosis and repair of any type or brand of equipment, wow. as well as we design custom systems ourselves. I love it. There's, a, you know, the, people need water. <laughs> Absolutely. That is not a bad business. I'm sure it's served you well, but we're going to get into a little bit of your story here. But before I do, I always like to ask the deeper, harder, you know, a little bit more philosophical question first, which is why? Alan, why are you doing this business? Why are you pushing so hard? You've already been so successful. Why are you here? Why are you doing it? What's the bigger picture? Give us the deeper seated reason. Well, first of all, most times people's reasons when they start is they've got this bad habit they have to eat. And so you got to <laughs> get started doing something, you know, but, but honestly, this, it, it kind of grows on you. And, uh, so you have to be passionate about what you do. If you're going to really do a good job, even right. if I'm hiring somebody, I'm looking for that. And yeah. uh, that makes you different in what you're doing. You're not just going through an action. You actually care deeply about what you're doing. Yeah. And that's a part of it. But I, I'll tell you, I got interested. This is my second life. I've 
first life, I was a firefighter and, uh, and, uh, I left that and went into this. I spent 20 years doing that. And then I went into this, wow. but I started getting interested after, before I left there. And the more I learned about water treatment, I actually learned about it accidentally. I moved out on a farm, bought a piece of land and the water would make you itch. It was Ooh. awful. And uh, we had to do something. And an old man told me that he needed a water softener. And so we right. went and got me a water softener. And I said, my gosh, if a guy did, couldn't sell this thing, he could sell anything. That's and right. of course, I'd always been doing things on the side. But I got really interested in it. And it crossed over, too, because a lot of the hydraulics, all of the engineering stuff that we used fit right perfectly with this. Even the medical right. stuff helps you understand the pathogens and stuff. So it was a perfect That's storm right. kind of thing. But what I really fell in love with was the need people have for it. And back then, they really didn't understand it. Today, if you talk to somebody about water filtration or, or cleaning their water, nothing to it, man. They already get it. Right. Back then, you're trying to explain why you would even want something like that. Right. So it became this thing of trying to convince them of something they needed, even though they didn't know they needed it. Right. And uh, so the more I did it, the more I fell in love with it. And it's really, it's about service. It, it's kind of about, it's about helping people. Yeah. And uh, that's what I love about it. I still, my greatest day is if we're overloaded and I have to go and help fix something for somebody and they smile when I'm done. That's, that's right. it. That's, that's the pay that I want. That's your payday. That's awesome. I appreciate that perspective, Alan, because you talked about passion and you know, it, it takes passion to be successful I think passion could be named a lot of things, but basically the way I just took from your story is that it wasn't water necessarily, or even water filtration. It, the deeper seated for you, even as a firefighter is helping people. And that seems so cliche, like, Oh, I want to help people. But the way that we choose to then like, you know, channel that, which before it was as a firefighter, saving people from different medical circumstances now you get to save them potentially from medical circumstances, but in the same vein of helping them. And, and, and even now it sounds like it's become just so much more fun because you don't have to convince them of something that they don't think that they need, but it's more so if I know I need it, I just need to pick the right, the, the right one and, and maybe work with the best person. And why not work with a guy like you that actually cares? That's kind of like the way I see it. Would you agree? Would you add anything? Oh, absolutely. And it's a great opportunity. It's like, I liken it sometimes to the wild west, but it, it's a, it's a novel industry. It's new. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just taking off. It changes so fast. You can't hardly keep up. Right. But the main thing is people are learning to understand that. And we're, we've been able in Texas to do a whole lot to make great strides in educating the public and the legislature and everybody like this, that it, it's very important to have that specialist who specializes in the chemistry and the hydraulics and mechanics of this stuff to right. make it work right and function right, because it is a critical environment. It's something you must have yeah. if you're going to have a safe place to do business or whatever. Now right. that used to be very, very big in industry. It still is. But I mean, years ago, they knew about that. If you're going to rinse a chip, the water quality that you're using is got to be perfect. It has to be right. But we weren't thinking about that in what we're drinking and what we're eating. So, crazy. so now we're turning that tide a bit. And that was kind of my passion is let's get to where, what about the consumer? Yeah. So we wanted to take it from a, it used to be 20, 30 years ago, 
basically it was a door-to-door water softener sales business what people thought of when they thought about the water treatment guy but now it's so much more than that and the skills and the training it takes going into there is a whole lot more than that so in texas now we actually that is a codified trade a a licensed water treatment specialist and and that uh ensures the public that these people are trained and they understand what they're doing so when they've operated on your equipment it's safe. They can tell you that it's working right. Everything's good. And it's not just softeners. That's your filtration. That's right. keeping your water safe to drink. And of course, we're finding more and more problems every day they find. Right. Now we're dealing with what they call forever chemicals and stuff like that. So it, it gets more complicated as we go along. So it, it's an exciting field to be in. Yeah. It sounds like the, the like you said, the more specialized action required, of course, is going to kick out the guys that were just selling door to door. One of the things that you said a few minutes ago that I think uh, almost breaks through that mold of that kind of like that door to door, just trying to sell me something type of a, of a field that it's much more than that. Now it sounds like is that you said you worked on any, any system you can repair, install, like basically you've, you've become a specialist just like a plumber or electrician. It's not like when my plumber comes in, they have to install a new water heater just so that they can work on it. And so that's kind of one thing that you said earlier that was like, oh, that's interesting because what a lot of people I think think about when they think of water filtration, it's like, oh, I have to, I would have to sign up for a new one or they only work on their brand or something like that. So I just thought that was just super unique and super, you know, probably an advantage point that you have. Would you agree? Well, yeah, that was the old model. And in some places, maybe that's still the model, but the, as far as the door to door part back then that was necessitated because nobody knew what it was. So it was an education process. That salesperson had to educate them on what it was. Now they know what it is, but we also can, can do so much better at in-depth servicing, maintenance, things of that nature, and get away from what you were talking about, because that is a lot of fear. We run across that a lot. People will call us and they're just so frustrated because like, oh, we had people come by and they, they said they can't fix it and, and they have to buy a new one. You know, sometimes that happens and it discourages consumers. They're afraid to call us a little right. bit, but it's, it's getting to where that's not so much the case anymore. And that was my goal. Why keep selling somebody something? You can fix it, you know, maintenance, fixing it. You know, I had a, a fire truck that was worth well over a million dollars. If it had a valve go bad, we didn't throw it away and get another one. And we maintained the valve so they didn't go bad. All those kind of things work the same way in this. So we just took a different take on the industry. And we're very proud of that. That's who we are. That's what makes us different. But yeah, it doesn't matter what brand you have. Now, there are some brands that can be hard to get apart for because they don't want to let somebody buy one. But for the most part, you can, we can fix just about any brand there is. And most times when people have a problem, it can be repaired and that just shocks them. They, they can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe you could fix that. And we fix it. Now people will say, well, that's bad because they're not your customer. Oh yes, they are. Cause they will probably never call anybody else again. Yeah. So yeah. that customer's there for life. So instead of making a sale, going back and trying to sell somebody something else. It's just a totally different model that I liken to goat farming. When I explain it to the guys, it's like farming goats. You've got two goats and the next thing you know, you've got four goats. And the next thing you know, you've got eight goats. That's because right. 
people, when they have an experience like that, will tell somebody else. Now we've built this whole business, Chaz, and we don't, we very seldom advertise our trucks and our trailers are totally marked and you can't miss them. I want to burn my logo in your retina, but (laughs) we don't spend a bunch of money on advertising. And the reason we don't have to is the phone constantly rings and it's people who say so-and-so told me about you or told us to call you. And it's like word of mouth, but that just simply is the the side effect of delighting your customer every time you go to their house, take care of them like you would if, if you went to your own house, do the good job. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're speaking a lot of super business truth right now. And so I want to just make a note for the listener. Not only is what you're talking about, just good business, business ethics. Of course, there are, there are certain customers that we just can't help, or that maybe isn't in your model. Right. And so we're not necessarily talking about helping everybody, but what we are talking about is identifying who do you help and doing it so darn good that they refer you. And I think obviously that the experience is part of that, but you're right. It's the multiplication. The thing that goes in that, that journey of the goats multiplying is that it doesn't happen all at once. There's a Absolutely process. Not. <laughs> nope. I didn't get here overnight. Over the I got time. here. Exactly. Right now we're sitting at 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, building it. And uh, yeah, it's a slow process, but the, my theory on that, my belief, that slow process builds a solid foundation. Yeah. Sustainable. Uh, I saw all the other things. I tried doing the other things too, Chaz. I, I, I trained salespeople. I, I was a sales manager and, and sales is great. And, and you can do a lot more business than we might do in a month on the sales side by doing that. But if you're not some way retaining that customer, if you're not providing a service in such a way that they stay there right now, I have some of my original customers, grandchildren are our customers. Wow. So, you know, that's a solid foundation and the company's not going anywhere, which is a big deal for me because my biggest purpose in life is to have this company built and set right. So that those people who've helped me do it, the people who work here, they will, their children will benefit and their grandchildren will benefit. I want this thing to live on after I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you can't do that to your point. If you're, if you're leaving a, a stain in the market, as opposed to something that's valuable. Also think too, that you hit on something, whether you realize it or not today in 2023, consumers are buying things, not only because they're educated, but because they desire authentic like interaction. And so a lot of that, what you're talking about that like old model versus new model in your specific industry, I think actually applies to almost every single listener because there is a a sales component, obviously, to every business, obviously. But inside of that process, we've just been taught for so long to just sell, 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 or get them with a new deal, get them the, get them the highest price, you know, all the manipulative things. And sales as service, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, is just being authentic and going in, servicing them at whatever need that they might have. And a lot of times in service, it's just about giving some options, right? They Maybe an option is a new one. That's it. It, This is what you have. Here's what's wrong. It'll cost this much to fix it. I got to have these parts. It's going to take this long. A new one is this much. You've got a warranty to consider this, that, and the other. Which way would you like to go with it? Yeah. You know, instead of you can't do this, you got to do that. Right. You know, you're not, we're not pushing them into anything. Actually, we don't have salespeople. 
our, uh, we're all service people. If you don't have a license, you don't work here. Yeah. And uh, so the guy who's telling them that the guy who's answering their questions, he is a licensed professional who understands right. the chemistry and everything about what they're asking. So yeah. he's, he's able to answer those questions and tell them, you know, four or five different things that'll do it because we don't right. care what you use, just do something that takes yeah. care of the problem you have. Exactly. Well, and, and inside of that, and this is again, for the listener, if you're in the service industry whatsoever, home services, you know, even online services, the, the point is, is that when you're listening to the person, if you're actually listening to what their need is, there's going to be a couple of different ways to probably solve that problem. And they don't have to necessarily fit into your box. Now, if you only have one box, the box either works for them or it doesn't. And that's fine. And you can let them know I can help you in this way. But generally speaking, home services companies should have a, a, an option two or three. And sometimes those options are a full upgrade or a full, you know, renewal of a system or a brand new something. And, and then being able to, as a licensed professional in your case, be able to say, Hey, if we go like this, here's what it's going to be. Here's, you know, the longevity, we can come back out and repair this potentially in the next six months, a year, whatever. Or if you do go with a new one, maybe you're a smidge early, but you wouldn't have to X, Y, and Z. And then again, you let them, let them make their own choice. There's benefits to both. There's also negatives to both. And I think that just as an right. authentic, like, here's your option. The educator or the buyers today are educated, like, more than they ever have been. They can just go to Google while they're sitting with you and research what the part costs and, and see if you're lying. So we, we shouldn't do that. We should just be honest, just like you guys are doing. And it's not necessarily not about doing sales. It's about just doing whatever the customer needs in that moment and, and, and providing the service. You know what well, I mean? Well, it's about doing what I believe sales always was. It's just the sales wasn't always done and taught that way by everybody right. who did it. That's right. But sales is service. It's finding someone's problem. Someone has a difficulty or problem they need a solution to, and maybe you have the solution. So right. you help them find that solution. And that's what's called selling. You yeah. cared about your customer. You wanted to be able to go back to them because they trust that you helped them right the first time and you'll help them right the next time. So I think sales was always service like that. It just sometimes it got out of whack and it was misused. I always used to tell people, you know, you, you got the same person. You can have a con man or a great salesman. They have the same traits. They simply have a different motivation. That's right. That's and right. so that's how you try to find the right one and, and weed out the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hundred percent true. You're talking about characteristic traits as opposed to, you know, just whether someone is going to take advantage of me or not, right? Like a moral right. perspective. And so someone can be very persuasive. My wife, I use the culture index, which is a personality, you know, discernment survey. And, and my wife, literally the profile name is persuader. And, and so constantly I find myself being persuaded to do things. And of course I'm intelligent enough to know not only when she's doing it, but also how she's doing it, whether she realizes it or not. And then, so I'm like constantly, Hey, you're, persuading me to do this, you know, like we're just going to go over here. The gentle um, anyway, art of persuasion. Right there. It, it is. It is. And some people, it just, to your point, it just flows out of them. That's how they're designed on the inside. And so it doesn't have to be for bad. It can be for right. really, really helping people. It's all down to that, that uh, kind of like that compass in the inside. I want to, I want to switch over to some decisions that you've made, but before we do that, you've given us a little bit of the history of your company and, and you've, you know, been a long time and you've had a lot of changes over the years. 
how did you transition just real quick from firefighting to water? Like, how does that, how do they, I mean, there was a lot of connection points. It sounds like, how did you make the jump? There was just, there was a lot of connection, but basically, you know, firefighter works just shifts. And so I was always doing something on my days off to some kind of business I was in one thing or the other. When I got that water softener, I was hooked. Hooked. And so (laughs) I went to work with those guys part-time and, and I just kept learning more and more about it. Well, when I had my 20 years in, I, I, I knew I was, I was actually already making a better living on my days off than I was making at the fire department. So I left the fire department, went into that. Now, the cool part about it was I was a salesperson. I was learning more and more about sales, leaning more and more that way. And I was actually went to work as a sales manager when I left there, the day I left there. But it didn't all pan out. So I, I found out real quickly that sometimes in business out there in the real world, when you don't have a government type job, they don't last. So, you know, these guys didn't stay in business. The IRS will come in and lock their doors and things like that. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden you don't have a job. Right. So I had to... I had to start figuring out, wow, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to figure out how to do it yourself. Well, I knew That's about right. as much about running a company as I knew about landing on the moon. So I had to figure that out piece of the time. I had a learning curve you wouldn't believe. So, you know, there was a lot of ramen noodles and peanut butter and everything else trying to survive off, of, right. that, uh, off of that retirement and, and, and pay my way to build the company. Yeah. And it was tough, but, you know, I knew man, you can do better doing this and you can doing something else. So just figure it out. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. I, well, first off, the, the, just the fortitude and the grit, I'm sure that that story is much, much longer, but the fact that you had to even do that, it, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, we wear it as a badge sometimes like, okay, there's always those years and those years can still come and go. I think as time, oh, like yeah. even as you have success, there are still certain things that you give up at certain times, like you did with the peanut butter and ramen to be able to go to the next level. There's always something that you give up actually to go to the next level. Maybe it's not going all the way back to peanut butter and ramen, but there's always something that you have to give up. Would you agree with that? I would. I think Solomon agreed. He said, this too shall pass. And, and it will, I mean, you know, wherever you're at, it'll change Just wait a little bit. And so you have to be ready for that. The thing that gives us an upside is as we learn that and move along, we tend to prepare for the downturn And then it's not so bad in the beginning. You don't have a stockpile. You don't have any, any thing there anticipating a downturn. So you're really struggling, but once you get your act together, you've got your, you know, you're, you're saving back money and, and, and ready for a hard time, then life's much easier. Yeah. You just dropped some, probably some really, really heavy bombs on some folks. And I want to just stick here for just a half second. You probably just did it because it comes so naturally to you, but this like preparing for a rainy day and not eating all the profits and like this, this money stewardship, one of our core values at gathering the Kings is that we're Royal stewards and being a steward of something, money, people, resource filtration systems, like whatever it is means that you take good care of it and, and you're, and you're keen to it and you pay attention and you, and you take care of the valve so that the valve stays longer. And then eventually you replace the valve. So you don't have to replace the whole truck and that mindset, But what you just said about money for the listener who's paying attention right now, who maybe isn't a big business owner yet, and they are in those first couple of years where they're just kind of running and gunning. Number one, pay yourself first. Like for for like you have to you have to figure out how to pay you. And I don't mean like make sure that you you take profits and go home and eat. That's not what I mean. 
just the way that you manage finance before you before you pay the man, the debt, the whatever, you have to figure out how to pay you first, your purse. And and even inside of a, a Christian house, that, that's going to be, that's a, that's a 10% tithe, right? Like you got to pay the beginning first, right? And so when I say pay yourself, I don't mean necessarily directly you. I just mean before the things start going out, there has to be a portion set aside. And and that can include things like the tithe, tithe or whatever, but it's so difficult early on. It's so difficult because everything flies out super fast and, and sometimes faster than it comes in. Yeah, and absolutely. so would you suggest anything on this? Like, okay, I'm, I'm pressurized, right? Like maybe I want to like, obviously take care of my family, but I don't have enough. Or maybe I do even want to give money to church or whatever, like whatever the things are over here that you want to take care of before the business just consumes it all. How do you do that when it's upside down? Well, I'll tell you what worked for me and, and, and maybe it'll help somebody. Maybe it won't. I did this. I took in the very beginning, trying to do that. I took one half of 1% of what I had and I put it aside. And then I kept on, then I, you know, you take care of everything else. You do the best you can. It didn't take very long. It didn't take very many months before I could see that, you know what, I could put a little bit more with that. And mm -hmm. oh heck, I could even double that. So I went to 1%. Mm -hmm. And I never had to go back down on that. Right. And I just was able to increase that. And at one point, I was at 25% on that. But you always want to make sure that you never spend as much as you made. Yeah. If you ever do, you're going down the hill. Yeah. So it can be just a little bit. And that little bit, I think what it does, the little bit doesn't make a huge difference. And that's why we don't do it. We look at it and say, well, that's not going to make any difference. That's but right. the difference that little bit makes is the difference it makes in your mind knowing I can do that. That's right. And encouraging you that I could do just a little bit more, That's right. you know, and, and you eventually get to where you wanted to get. It's just one baby step at a time. Instead of trying to change your world all at once, do it a little bit at a time. Yeah. Same kind of thing I learned with headaches and things like that and working out, you know, you don't start off doing 50 push-ups, but if you'll do three push-ups five times a day, pretty soon you can do 10. And right. That's all you got to do. Baby steps. Take it easy on yourself, but make sure you know your purpose yeah. and you stay focused on the purpose and discipline yourself. And that discipline will continue to grow. Yeah, that's right. You said it earlier. It's easy not to do it. So whatever is easy to do is also easy not to do. And so that's exactly. why most people just don't do it. What you're talking about. We're, we're uh, just for the listener here. And, and I'm sure my editor will put these in the show notes as well. Really what we're talking about are three concepts. There's a profit first, which is a book and a whole system. We're talking about the richest man in Babylon, which is a book that talks about, you know, putting 10% into your own purse first, and then eventually you're able to make investments from that. And then we're talking about just a simple, you know, whether you're a, a Christian or not, this tithing perspective, they're all the same mindset, which is before anything happens, if I separate this over here, a half percent, 10%, 25%, whatever the number is, and I just force myself, this is a no. And I force myself to live on this. It does everything in the brain that we need it to, which is we get creative to figure it out over here as long as we can't see that over there. And so especially with all the technology that we have today of being able to separate money that comes into your bank account, 
Shoot, even if you do it on, in cash and envelopes, I don't really care. The point is, is that you have got to get to this mindset where Alan's talking about, number one, you don't spend as much as you, as you, as you make, period. Like that is so simple, but everybody, for the most part, just spends up to the amount that they make. And you just have got to stop that. Number two is that you've got to figure out what, whatever the percentage is and for whatever your purpose is, it doesn't really matter for this conversation's sake. You have got to develop the brain and, and mindset power of separating and then forgetting about it separating and then forgetting about it. And so Alan, I want to, I want to be able to just number and take my hat off for you because you're just, you know, teaching us such incredible things and you you've just lived this life, especially up to 25%. I mean, most people just will never come anywhere close to that as far as being able to save or be able to make moves in the future based on that money investments, things in the company, your people being able to hire, like there's just so many more moves that you can make, whether you're in a downturn or not, if you have that availability. So I want to move on to some of your great and maybe not so great decisions. So let's start with the good one. Alan, tell us about a good decision that you made in the business that you can share with us that has led you to a lot of success. A good decision. Okay. Well, my good decision, the best decision I ever made, we've already talked about. And that was my decision to build a company whose purpose was to provide professional services to the customer rather than sell something to the customer. because that created the relationship where the customer knows they can trust us and that we do what's best for them. And if what they have is broken, but can be repaired, we will repair it. So in our company, the greatest sin anyone can commit is to sell something to somebody who didn't need it. And they won't work here anymore. If we ever find out that it happened and we all know that. And so our guys have the ability out there in the field, every one of them, They can do what they think is right for the customer. They're not under my thumb. They can do anything they think is right. They come back. If I question it, they will justify it to me why they did it. And we don't answer to any other entity. So we're not like a, we don't, we we're not a Ford dealership or anything like that. We don't answer to anyone. So we don't have that pressure makes it easier for us to do it by setting our company up that way. And so our only quota is satisfied customers and our only interest then is what's best for the customer. So you give them what they really want. You treat them the way they want to be treated and you have success, you know, because that's, uh, that's just what you're doing every day. And you feel so good when you go home at night and I, I helped some people, I made them happy you know, and that's a good feeling. So we like that. So we're, we're really, we're not working. We're, we're just out here having a ball every day. And that decision is what made that possible. Yeah. You, you, without even knowing it, you gave us so much to chew on here. Okay. So first off, you just read some incredible things about your company. And so my encouragement to the listener right now is that if you're not that clear, I mean, Alan was just super clear about what they do, how they do it, who does it with them on their team. And if you don't do it that way, you're out, you know? So he just has so clear vision on not only what he's doing in his business, but what he's doing for his customers and how that whole circle keeps going round and round. And if you're not that clear, you have to get that clear. So Alan, what'd you do to get that clear about everything that you just said? (laughs) I made every mistake you could possibly make and there was no other alternative. (laughs) How do, how do we not go around the bend of all the mistakes, Alan? Save us. Well, I will tell you, you listen to somebody who already made them. That's, there you go. That's right. That's, that's right. the key. 
do what I wasn't smart enough to do sometimes, although I did listen a lot. I've listened to, I, I, I can almost quote you anything, anybody you could ever buy a book from ever said, but you, yeah. you still, it's so hard to absorb. I still can listen to Zig Ziglar and my eyes oh, yeah. will light up and I'll go, daggone, that's what he meant by that. That's right. And that's I've right. heard that 5,000 times, you know, but it didn't click until so then. True. It's so true. And you're right. And, and listening to you right now, I hope that they're paying attention because everything that you just described, I mean, you didn't say core values, you didn't say mission statement, you didn't say vision or purpose statement, all the kind of a fancy words, but that's what you just gave to us. You gave us your clear, this is who we are. This is our identity. This is who works here. This is who we serve. This is how we serve them. This is how our thing goes round. And, and so my encouragement to the listener is that maybe today you don't have all of that super clear. Begin working on it, though. Take time on your calendar to sit down and think about what the identity is. Like, is that your identity? Is it the company identity? Is it your team? Maybe you already have some people involved. What is it that you're really trying to do? And the cool part about what Alan just shared that I want you as a listener to pay attention to is that someone steps into his company, they know exactly what to do. They know exactly what the identity is, what the beat of the drum is, and they're either going to fit right in immediately and probably work there for a very long time or not. And so there's just so many you know, value points on how this is going to help Alan's company. And so I, I'm just, I'm just trying to give the listener everything that you just gave to us, whether you realize it or not, Alan, give us the bad decision. What was the hand fist on the, you know, the, the palm on the forehead moment. The worst decision I ever made. What I did was I made a decision a long time ago. I tried to do something this service thing, you know, man, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to take care of you better than anybody else. So I created a service program and I would go to a customer's house once a month. I would check their equipment. I'd make sure it's working right. I'd make any repair or adjustment that they needed done. And I would add salt or potassium to their brine tank all for one low payment of $19.95. I've got the greatest service in the world, right? Sounded good. Worked good for a while too. But at that point, Salt and potassium cost me less than $3 a bag. Right. And I was trying to get steady business. So what I did is I was smart. I signed all those customers up on 36 month contracts. <laughs> well, that worked great for a while until the day that I came to work and went to buy potassium. And it was $16 a bag. Oof. So now I had customers with 36 month contracts using two bags of potassium a month. And by the time the contracts ran out, I was paying almost $25 a bag for that same potassium. So I was paying $50 for potassium to service a customer once a month that was paying me $19.95. And I had to do it every month until their contracts ran out. So then over time, salt started going up too. So that was the worst decision I ever made. It cost me and cost me and cost me for three, four yeah. years. And I was eating that. But I assure you, I never make a contract that has an included expendable product. Anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Service only. Products yeah. are sold separate. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Learn that lesson the hard way. Exactly. I think it's super honest. You know, I think we've all, at least at this, like the people that I've had on the show, I know that we've fumbled around long enough to where I, I can think of multiple times we've made this this issue where you price something wrong, you think it sounds great. <laughs> and then you realize, you know, not that long later, or sometimes it is a long time. And you're like, Oh, dang, we, 
that was not good at all. So it, the point is, is that you paid attention, you realized it, you made, you made the, sh- the switch. But I think that that little picture at the end of, you can still sell the service. You can still sell a contract. Oh yeah. Got to be able to, but, but <laughs> you got to be able to maneuver it product. product prices change when you're, when you're brand new, you don't realize that, but it can happen. <laughs> That's right. Well, and how, how could you know you were brand new? You hadn't been doing it for three or four years. How, how could you have the experience of pricing for three or four years? Exactly. A lot of people experience that with, with, with COVID, you know, with COVID and then, and then of course, inflation right afterwards. I've got a couple of guys in my gathering the Kings mastermind group where, you know, these guys are doing two, three, 10 million and, and they got their stuff handed to them a little bit because they, they had signed contracts in different parts of, of industry, some home services, some, some on the commercial side, but you know, it's like, how does that happen? You know, you, you, you've got a, a project that's going to last 24 months and you're a big GC and you price out some certain things in your contract. It, it, your contract now becomes like the most important thing of the deal. Actually, it has nothing to do with yeah. the actual project anymore. It has it has everything to do with the contract and how that it's going to, how you're going to live through that 24 months or however long the project is. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to to have that put back. Uh, Dave Ramsey calls them retained earnings, but That's right. but it doesn't matter what you call it. You've got to put back some money every month. You're putting money in that account so that you can cover these big problems that come along. If you get that, you, you've got as close as you can ever get right. to having security for you and your people. That's right. They depend on you. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. I was just going to say, as a king, it's our it's our duty, right? They're they're depending right. on us, and exactly. the weight of their you know daily is on our shoulders. So I think that's incredible that you've put your weight there. All right, let's go over to the speed round here. We're going to ask you some questions, a little bit more associated to some some quick hitting answers. But the first one is always KPI question. So if you can only pick one thing to track, Alan, what would it be? It's always been for me customer satisfaction. If okay. the customer's happy, you make a profit, everybody's good. How do you track that inside of your business? I have a lot of close contact communication with our customers, for one thing. Okay. And so we know. We yeah. also can tell by the recurrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, they answer their what we call reminders. They continue to do business with us over time. Sure. And we have that relationship, Chaz, where if anybody doesn't do anything right, they call me on my cell phone. Right. The customer's going to call me, so I know right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. So for someone who maybe doesn't have those relationships built quite yet, it's the the reoccurrence model. It's the maybe a survey of sorts, reviews maybe for some businesses. Yeah, there are lots um, of ways to do it. Yeah, cool. Very good. What about a book or maybe a resource that you would recommend? You already mentioned Zig Ziglar. Is he your go-to guy? Oh, well, Zig Ziglar was my go-to guy for a long, long time, and I still listen to his stuff over and over again. He, he's got... It's like I would equate it to reading the Bible. Anything that's got a lot of principle in it, you hear it over and over again. You still find new things and you learn that's more. Right. That's but right. that he's the main one I go to as far as a book. Now, they the one book I would recommend though mm-hmm. is that a different question or is that this? Sure, question? yeah, no, go for it. Yeah, if you got book, I would else. recommend. He said, "How do you what do you recommend someone to get to the seven figure level?" Yeah, that without a doubt for me is start with why by Simon Sinek. Love it. And you've said it a hundred times already this morning, you know, you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. What is it we do? And that is how you get to a higher level of business. 
is by coming to the understanding of why do we do this? Yeah. And that, that gets you there. Once you understand it, then you can do it. Well, and you can communicate it to your team, which you've so clearly done and even and clearly communicated to us how you've done it, which has been really, really fun to listen to because you're super clear on it. And I just want to, again, just give the encouragement to the listeners that not only get this book that he's, re- he's referencing, it's a great book, but just, just look at Alan, just listen, go back and just go back 15 minutes and listen again. Like everything he said is super pointed because he knows exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah. And all this stuff is so available. I I almost cried about three or four weeks ago, Chaz. I had to throw out a 30 gallon trash bag full of cassette tapes because cassette tapes are worthless. Where are you going to put, where are you going to play? But there's (laughs) all my Ziggler, all my Tom Hopkins, all my, everything was in there, a whole big trash bag full, but it's no good. I can pull up any of that on my phone at the push of a button anymore. So for everybody out there, you don't have to have a, a library of cassette tapes or DVDs or anything anymore. It's all on your phone, man. So yeah. that's one great thing about the technology we have today. All of this motivational material, all of the educational right. material, good grief. I can take my phone and Google and study water chemistry driving down the road. Right. It's amazing what we are able to do if we would just do it. You know, but I think it's so tempting to, you know, listen to something else rather than try to learn something, but it's all out there. If you want it, nobody can say, I didn't have the opportunity. I don't think, I mean, if they do, I don't know who they are. What's easy to do is easy not to do. I think that you just, you've said that multiple times in different ways. And I think that you're right when it comes to learning, obviously there's certain, you know, maybe personalities that are, are driven more to information, but The encouragement you just gave of simplicity of it doesn't matter whether you're driving somewhere. You know what? Honestly, I listen to a lot of stuff in the shower. I mean, I'm not in the shower for very long, but like I'm coming from the gym. I'm still listening. I just take it off my headset and I just put it on speaker. I set it right there on the deal. I I just continue to listen. I don't let the daily necessarily interrupt what I'm doing or what I'm learning in that moment. And uh, and then, of course, you just continue on with the other parts of your day when you're listening or and or, or or learning. So just a great encouragement there for, I think, anybody who's trying to figure that out. There's plenty of time in the day. Um, trust me. <laughs> what oh, would you yeah. say about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Well, I think what that is to me, I mean, my, my interpretation of that is that it's kind of the in-person version of what we've been talking about. So you're learning by interacting with other people. Everybody you interact with, you can interact with a five-year-old child and learn something. So when we're interacting with each other, we're learning. So on one hand, you can find people who are already successful. And that was part of what I did. Uh, We have the Texas Water Quality Association, and I've got some wonderful mentors and friends who taught me what I didn't know, helped me to grow and learn. And you get around people who are successful at doing what you're trying to do and you learn from them how they did it. You get a good head start. And on the other hand, you're sharing in a give and take with people that are successful in businesses that might be completely different than yours. So, you know, we do things like that. I go to lunch with plumbers and electricians and things like that. You find a guy who's good at what he does. He's successful and you spend a little time with them 
And it's the same thing. What he does is totally different. So you're going to get totally new ideas that you never thought of before. That's right. And that helps you. And then finally, there's just that, what you call this awesome synergistic power of the mastermind that goes back to, you know, way back in the thinking of the things we've been talking about where they all share the same passion, the same desire, same motivation, and they focus on the same goal. Now that group, that's a little harder to get together, but as history has showed us that works and it works in in a great way. So you've got all those processes that can work. I use them all in different ways on a regular basis. And I really think in one way or another, most people who are successful at what they do, they do that in some way, but maybe they don't even realize it. I think in a lot of ways, these things are kind of like what you were talking about before. And and I'll try not to ramble, but you you need to be genuine and unique in what you're doing and do it for real. And so when you're actually caring about your customer and happy, they came in, it's a little bit more than that person who was trained to holler, welcome to wherever you walked into and they don't even look at you, you know? So you got to have that genuine aspect. You'll get much more out of it, but like anything to start, you know, there are groups that you can do that networking groups, things like that. You can go and, and start getting your feet wet, learn, how to interact and work with other people. But I think you'll get more out of it once you develop those relationships to the point where you're really sitting down having a little deeper discussions with folks. Yeah. To, to just take your point from, you know, your old model of business to, to what you're doing it now, and then even apply it to networking and or masterminding. Cause obviously they're different to your, to your point, you articulated all these different resources and ways that we can, you know, collaborate with others, but you did it very, very well. I think that some of these things, networking specifically, but then in a mastermind group, you know, a long time ago, maybe it was, well, what can I sell? What kind of deal can I get? Who, who can I do business with? And, and I think that as an entrepreneur, that you should always be thinking that, like, who am I going to collaborate with? Who are my strategic partners? Uh, like some people I spend more time with, because maybe we do more business together. That, that All those things are fine. But to your point about being genuine and authentic, it's about the relationship. It's about maybe the perspective that they can bring to you, even though you're never going to exchange dollars with this person, the perspective that this person brings to you because of their business, because of their struggle, because of their win or victory, it, it enlightens us to like a whole nother world of like, wow, I can actually do that as well. Or that spurred something else. And so there's value is the point, but the relationship has to be built first. And so you got to intentionally get to know people. And it's like, I go to a networking event and someone comes up and immediately hands me their card. I'm like, bro, come on, man. I didn't even bring cards. Right. You know, like this was me 10 years ago, getting into business. People here, card, card, card. You got a card, you got a card. I'm like, no, I do not have a card. And I just thought at that time I was 24 and just young guy. I'm, I'm a millennial. I do it different. I don't know. But now I know it's just like, I'm not interested in your card, bro. Like, do you want to get in my cell phone? Because if so, then that we probably have a relationship and I'm going to text you and we're going to do business together potentially, but yeah. like, no, I don't want your card. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that, that we're sharing a lot of like-mindedness here for the listener. I think that just the, the genuine authentic relationship building piece to business in and out clients and in internal, I think is probably the most important thing that we're giving them. Yeah. I I got, we're trying to pull it in. So yeah. they're trying to pull everything in when they're giving you the card, they're trying to get something. What kind of a pitcher would a guy be if he never let go of the ball? 
<laughs> so it's not about what you pull into yourself. It's about what you throw out. So what do I have I to that. offer? If I go to lunch with someone, what might I be able to give them an insight in or be any help to them at all? But it's yeah. what I offer the world. And that's the only reason there's any reason for me to pull anything in is so I can save it up, gather it up and then give it away because that's really the only way we make a difference. Like I tell guys, a lot of times, it's not about setting up on the stage and shining the light on yourself. You enlighten a whole lot more people if you turn a light around. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and let them see themselves. So it's like that. Always be trying to give, always be trying to, and, and it always comes back, Jazz. It does. Your, your, your productivity actually comes out of a, a bounce back out of what you give out and what you put out there. And I think that's the best any of us can do yeah. is throw things out that way. Well, Alan is spitting major king mindset to you guys today. And he's talking about giving back and he's talking about this perspective of, seeing others, you know, so I hope that you're paying attention. I hope that you even go back and listen to this episode again. Alan, I got one last question here for you. And I'm super excited about this one. If you could whisper in the younger Alan's ear, what would you say? How young, Chaz? <laughs> you tell me. How, well, how young, how far if, would you go back? If I could go back to say 17 years old. Okay. I would say, go find a Zig Ziglar tape, learn what's out there and go do it now. Don't wait. Because I had no idea. Yeah. Love it. You know, I grew up where, where I grew up, the purpose in life was you get a good education. You go to high school and get a good education. You can get you a job and you can, you can make a living and you'll have a good all right life. You'll do okay. That was really all that was ever laid out there. Not that there was this whole world out there and you could just do anything. I tell kids all the time. Yeah, I do what I do and I love doing it and doing it under my terms and I've succeeded at it, but I could have done that doing anything because it's not the thing. It's what you do. And it's kind of like what you were talking about learning from other people. It's not what you acquire. It's what you become in the process. So I just want to be the best me that I can be. And I don't regret anything I did. I just think I would have started a little younger. Mm -hmm. My daddy always used to tell me, he said, son, if you'd, have, if you'd have started doing something on your own, when you left home, you'd be a multi-billionaire by now, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, I just love to work and he instilled that in me, but I love to work. I love to do things. And I, if I'd have known what all the opportunities were out there that were right. for real to just do something on your own. Yeah. Never heard of that until I was probably like 20 some years old before I ever even heard the concept or thought about it. That's right. You know, don't have a job. I don't have a job right now. You know, I don't show up on the employment <laughs> roles, you know, <laughs> I'm one of those unemployed. I'm out there doing nothing. I don't exist. Unemployable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't even get fired and draw an employment. I'm, I'm just, right. I'm out there. So that's the thing I would do though. That's what I would, I would. And that's what I try to teach. I try to get that out there to young people and you don't have to listen to anything. Anybody's telling you, you need to do, what do you love to do? You can yeah. do that. And, and the world is wide open to you. And I think if, you know, the more of them figure it out, the better lives they'll have. And I, I'd love to see them do that. You know? Yeah. It's funny because I, my, one of my good friends now, he, 
started off as a client of mine in, in our mastermind group, but he's a good friend now. And he used to be a firefighter and about uh, probably four years ago. Now I always say three, but it's probably four now. And uh, he's probably, I don't know. He'll probably do 15 million mm -hmm. in 2023. And you know, he's 30 years old. Four years ago, he was a firefighter. And I think when you just, when you just put that in a sentence like that, you're like, <laughs> scratch your hand. You go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? No business experience. He just wanted yeah. to help people. Right. Your, your exact story. And oh, by the way, because of some circumstances, he got kind of placed into a place where he had to do business and been off to the running ever since. And, and it's been hard, like real, real hard. But everything that you just said of like, he, he, he knew he wanted to help people. He knew he wanted to do something big, but he had just never thought about being in business. And so I, I guess I, I reiterate this story of Alan's with this other guy, because for the listener right now, whether you're new in business a year or two or three, or whether you've been in business 30 years, the reality of it is, is that it's never too late to go to the next level even, right? No, I, I didn't start, start or until, until, yeah, I didn't start till I was like 45. And, you know, before I ever started in business. And one thing I do want to point out that the correlation between this guy you talked about and myself, you said some things happened that kind of forced him to have to be in business. Same thing happened to me. I, I would have never taken that step had I not been forced to do it because I would have never thought I could. Yeah. That's the thing. It's kind of like you get your back against the wall and you don't have a choice and you find out that you can accomplish things way yeah. greater than you ever imagined you could. That's right. And if somehow we could be convinced of that, if we could right. learn that without having to be stuck in that position and just make the choice, I think a lot of people do do that, but that's, that's part of the deal. I mean, you got, you got to go and stretch yourself in a way that you wouldn't normally do. That's right. That's right. Well, Alan, you've been incredible here today. How can the listener find you? Number one, if they are in Texas and need a water system or some sort of service, how can they find you? But then also, yeah. how can they find you and pick your brain? Well, if you're in Texas, in Central Texas, we serve a Central Texas area and you need water treatment of any kind, then give us a call. We're at 512-756-7710 or you can go to ASIPURE, ASIPURE.com and find us there. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email is alan at ASIPURE.com, A-L-A-N. You have to spell it right or it doesn't get there. But uh but, you know, I'd be glad to talk with anybody. And that's probably about all they need to be able to get a hold of us. That's awesome. Alan, again, you brought a major King perspective here today. And I just, myself, I'm walking away a better business owner, a better perspective, even myself, just being able to chat with you here for a few. I can only imagine what the listeners have gotten. So again, thank you. Blessings on your family, team, their families, your entire business, everything you put your hand to in 23 Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And God bless you, Chas. Thanks for giving us the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. 
what I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.